Well, the college football season is just days away. Of course, the Big 12 season is right around the corner. And it wouldn't be right if we didn't get on a guy who always is generous with his time. Josh Pate, you see him all the time. You listen to him. Late kick. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Of course, find him on YouTube as well. He does an outstanding job with that show. He's become really uh, one of the stars of college football coverage. And we appreciate him joining us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Appreciate you joining us, whether it's on the radio show, on the podcast, on the YouTube channel. We appreciate all the ways that you are getting this show. Josh, uh, of course, it's been a wild few weeks. And I hear you say it all the time, and I could not agree more. When it comes to conference realignment, man, I mean, I love it. It's good for the Big 12. It has been good for the Big 12. But it really delayed us talking a lot about the season and the games and the teams and things like that. So now that the dust has settled, how do you feel like the Big 12 in particular has made out after the past few weeks? Well, the first lesson I've learned is never say the dust is settled, Pete. Never say that. And so I'm just always <laughs> looking over my shoulder now. I just assume that something's <laughs> going to happen in any second. But I, so the Big 12, you could not have asked for anything more. Um, given the circumstances in the sport that are out of your control, you couldn't have asked for anything more. And I think it, it's kind of like when a natural disaster happens, when you do the, the post-mortem on it. You say, oh, this could have been handled differently. That could have been handled differently. Well, we're now looking back a little bit on the pac 12 side of things and saying, wow, if they had only done this, if they'd only done that. Well, inevitably, the thing you're wishing they did, if you're out on the West Coast, is the thing that Brett Yormark and company did do in the Big 12. And so it's an exciting-looking conference, and it already was, but it's an exciting conference with the additions. Um, but then if you, if you zoom it out a little bit, I don't know. It's, it's so strange where we are right now because if you, if you were to just insert a pro sports fan who's never watched college into our world right now, the first question they would ask is, hey, who's in charge? And you would say, what are you talking about? We don't have anyone in charge. Like, what? who worries about that? It's like just substitute teacher vibe over here. All year, we just have a substitute teacher. And um, I don't know how long it'll be like that. But I, I think in lieu of having a college football commissioner, which has always been kind of a pipe dream, I think. I'm happy to do it, but I think it's a pipe dream. I mm -hmm. think that we're headed towards a world where the power that is in the hands of a conference commissioner and then probably uh, via proxy of a television network will never have been greater than it's going to be over the next five to 10 years. And that is where I think the answers are going to come from. That's where I think legislation is going to come from and new rules are going to come from. And you'll stop saying NCAA so much and you'll start saying Big 12, SEC, Big 10 a lot more. Yeah, uh, it makes as much sense as anything else, but you're right. Uh, the dust is never settling in the world of uh, realignment in college sports. Well, let's get to it on the field. I mean, everyone's looking at this conference and saying, all right, uh, final year for OU in Texas. Texas, are they really back? How would Josh Pate answer the question that's been asked for the better part of a decade and a half now? Is Texas really back going into their last year in the Big 12? The answer is yes, but then I put my index finger over your lips and I say, hold on, let me finish, let me finish, because everyone wants to interrupt me when I say that. And they say, well, you always say that. And I don't always say that. In fact, I've never said it. This is the first time that I've really bought into them to be a legitimate playoff contending team. Um, and the reason is because the big myth is they always recruited well and they were always ultra talented. 
they weren't. They were ornaments with no tree. They just they were perimeter skill with no line of scrimmage talent to speak of. And now they've got that. I think they can probably stop the run about as well as anyone in that conference this year. I don't remember ever saying that about Texas. They finally don't have to convert wide receivers to play safety for them anymore. I don't remember saying that very often about Texas. And so I love the receiver room. Like I love all the skill, but I've loved that before about him. I love everything else about him this year. So, hey, by the way, you want to know a game within the game to circle. I know everyone's eyes will be on Tuscaloosa in week two. How about Bama recommitting to running the ball and Texas having the run defense they think they do? That'll be the game within the game to watch that night. That is going to be outstanding coming up in uh, early September. Now, Josh, when you look around this conference, and and most people, Josh, are obviously picking uh, the Longhorns to win this league. But if you're looking around the Big 12 and what's going to be a weird 14-team conference this year, two teams on the way out, four teams coming in, who are you looking at and saying, you know what, that that's the team that I think can give them the best run for their money? Um, I Look, I don't want to overthink the room here. I'll look at Oklahoma, but with Oklahoma, it's not just the team dynamic. I certainly expect them to be improved. If you just promise me health at the quarterback position alone, that would be wonderful if anyone can do that for me. But mm-hmm. also, scheduling dynamics are really in the favor of both teams in Oklahoma this year. And so, you know, if Brent Venables has a much improved team, I combine that with the relative leniency they got from the schedule makers. Uh, that could be the case. I, I always think Texas Tech under Joey McGuire is going to be a wild card out there. I also I was talking to some folks at Kansas State the other day because, you know, my model is a little bit lower on them than the AP is. And I look, the differing in the difference in thinking with me is. I just don't think you can replace the difference makers they had as easily at Kansas State as places like Georgia do, uh, Mm -hmm. or Georgia does. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I'm going to be really wrong because that means that it's just it's plug and play and Kansas State's going to Kansas State again. So it could be them as well. I just I mean, you and I talked about this last year, too. I'm down in SEC country and they always laugh at you when you talk about how competitive and how relatively balanced the Big 12 is at the top. And it's like you're saying, well, they got five playoff contenders. It doesn't always have to be about that to have entertaining football. No, it doesn't. And it and it usually isn't. Of course, last year uh, in the Big 12, we did see, speaking of the playoff, a Big 12 team win a game in the playoff for the first time in this format. That was TCU. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody had them even in the top 25 in the preseason. And then they ended up getting to the college football playoff. They beat Michigan. But, of course, We try to forget, but we know how that game went down against Georgia. Sonny Dykes, I mean, is that just a magical season? A lot of close wins, a little bit of luck never hurts. Or do you think that Sonny can turn this program into a consistent, let's say top, I don't know, 15 team, Josh? Is that being too generous year in, year out for the Horned Frogs? Um, Maybe, but not by much. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that they could float there. Uh, we know someone's going to do it. Like there, It's not like the Big 12 is going to disappear off the face of the earth when these two teams leave. It's going to still be a really good league. And um, in the aggregate, someone will rise, or maybe a couple of programs will rise. And, you know, when people look at a season like TCU had last year, I think the same thing about Washington. They get the wrong idea of what they're looking at. So, they, they look at some of these programs, like the ones I just mentioned, and they don't believe in them. Well, then they have a really big spike year. And then all of a sudden, they call you a hater if you think anything other than they're, they're a top 10 team now. 
And the reality is those are developmental programs. Kentucky's the same way in the SEC. Those are developmental programs where it is realistic to think every few years you can have everything go right and pop that kind of season. The expectation shouldn't be that, but you can pop that kind of season. What you're talking about is more realistic. Can you float? Can your floor be in that 15 to 20 range with the opportunity to be top five every third or fourth year on average? And I don't see any reason why they can't be that. I mean, I believe in the head coach. I believe in the culture there. I believe in the talent pool they swim in. So I don't know why they couldn't be that. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking ahead to to this year, I mean, TCU is replacing a lot of guys. We know Max Duggan is gone. Uh, TCU fans seem to think they can reload. It feels like a stretch, though, just based on what this season and what this league is going to look like in 2023. How should TCU fans be realistic about what 2023 is going to bring after what last year turned into? I never get mad when folks believe in their team. I mean, I never get mad even in just blind belief. That's how I am. That's how I'd be as a fan. Uh, I would just say, you know, at Alabama this year, if they win anything less than 11 games, those folks are going to freak out. I would caution TCU fans not to think that way. So have sky high expectations. And look, you shocked the world last year. So I'm someone out here who does not believe they can reload. I am someone who does not believe that's duplicable for TCU in 2023. But I didn't believe that they'd be in the playoff conversation last year either. So you shut folks like me up once. I'd, I'd have fun trying to shut folks like me up again. But if, if I do happen to stumble into being right on this one, it's not the end of the world. You just you suck it up and you try again in 2024 and 25 and 26. Josh Pate's joining us. You see him all the time. You listen to him. And if you're not, you should be. Uh, Late kick. He does an outstanding job covering the entire sport. So, uh, Josh, speaking of teams that shocked the world, Kansas last year, nobody saw it coming. They got college game day against TCU, coincidentally enough. Um, They end up getting to a bowl game. They play Arkansas great in the comeback. They end up losing in, what, triple overtime, I think it was. So, uh, incredible year for Lance Leipold in year two. Uh, what does it take for a guy like Lance Leipold to get Kansas to a place where suddenly a bowl game is a year in year out thing? And can he be the guy that does it? I absolutely think he can. Um, it, it takes stacking good days on top of each other, which is so boring. Like I, I sometimes hesitate even giving that as an answer, but here's what was good for him last year. He, I think he got the best of all worlds. First thing is, he got to show those players and those folks, you can do special things at Kansas. But then he also got to show him what it means to have a full tank of gas in this sport. You can't have five weeks or six weeks. you got to have 12-plus weeks of gas in the tank. And so he got to look those donors and fans in the eye and say, look what I could do. Well, then he got to look that locker room in the eye once you close the door and say, look what you guys didn't do the second half of the season. and mm-hmm. That's what we're going to focus on. So now we're going to we're going to let that first half of the season be our default. We're going to focus on finishing, finishing, finishing. I can't imagine how many times that word has been used around that program uh, this spring and summer. So um, again, different expectation meter there. It is football, and so you don't you don't necessarily walk around saying double digit win or bust. You can afford to be more realistic, and I think it's up for grabs. There's no reason why Kansas cannot be that. And they've made massive investment in football. So all of those boxes are being checked. There's no reason that can't happen. And you got a really, really sneaky good head coach there that is trying to do it. 
Do you buy, you know, Josh, when we talk about the top of this league, you mentioned Texas and, and you think Oklahoma's probably in the mix there. How do you factor in the fact that this is the last year for these two teams in the Big 12? They always have that bullseye on their back. This will be one of those games that if any of these teams beat Texas or OU, they're telling their grandkids about in 50 years. How do you factor that in, if at all, to analyzing the conference and whether or not either or both of these teams end up playing for a Big 12 title in December? I don't know how to quantify it. I think it matters, though. I mean, when I've got the conference commissioner openly telling a, a head coach there at Texas Tech, hey, you better get the job done in Austin Thanksgiving week. I mean, that's the league office talking. Like, they assign <laughs> officials to games. That's, that's pro wrestling stuff. And so I, I don't know how that – like, I can't tell you this is the game it costs them or, or that's the game it costs them. But, like, you, you know better than I do, not just as well as I do. The animosity is so palpable towards those programs up and down that conference that, um, man, it's, it's something I'm taking into account. Like I told you, I believe in Texas, but that's something I'm taking into account as an intangible this year. Like, how do you measure that if you're trying to handicap the conference? I, I think it matters. How do I quantify that? How do I measure that? How do I bake that into a point spread? I don't know. I just think that when we watch Big 12 football this year, when you watch Texas and OU go on the road, it's going to be so uncomfortable and it's going to be so raucous and it's going to be really nasty, which the rest of the Big 12 should be, you know, over the moon excited about. I think whoever's on that team this year, man, those locker rooms full of kids, they will remember this last year going on the road in that conference. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, uh, Josh, hot seats. Uh, Neil Brown has probably one of the hottest seats in the country. And you look at the schedule for West Virginia. I mean, Penn State out of the gates, Pitt two weeks later in Morgantown. Um, Neil Brown, a lot of people in the sport and the conference uh, like him, but it hasn't been a good stretch, obviously. A lot of mediocre football there. What do you think about Neil Brown, the future at West Virginia, and if he can hang on this season? Oh, man, you were reading the schedule there. I mean, I like Neil, too, but you read the schedule there. Here's the other thing you notice. Notice where their bye week is placed. It's right after several losable games, and we've seen the past two seasons head coaches get fired really early in the season. Mm -hmm. think, uh, think Scott Frost. Think Paul Crist. I, I see um, – look, there, there's certainly upsets happen every week in college football. I don't feel great about West Virginia. I know they think they did a better job out of the portal this last cycle than they have, but man, you're, you're grasping at straws a little bit there. And I don't know. I think the odds are better than not that a move is made on him. And then if it is, you got West Virginia folks saying, well, if we're going to make a move in the middle of the season, why didn't we make it at the end of last year? Which is an argument we hear from some fan base every cycle now, it seems. Yeah. That's so true. Of the four new teams, Josh, uh, who do you like the most? BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston. Which one of these four new teams are you most intrigued by making an immediate impact in the Big 12? So it, it was Central Florida, and I think in many ways it still is. Brigham Young's win total is all the way down at four and a half, so I know it sounds weird that I would mention them. I was talking to someone yesterday that's pretty close to that program, and they were saying, hey, I don't know, I don't know how many games we're going to win this year, but like, we think Keaton Slovis is really good. Like, we love what we got from him. He's, he's really surprised us. And then it surprises the rest of the country to learn that Keaton Slovis is a Brigham Young now, by the way. And um, <laughs> I, I just, like, I got the sense they feel way better about their team 
than probably, you know, the odds market does or the preview magazine culture does. So, I mean, there's some team that has a win total way below bowl contention level every year that surprises. I, I don't know if it wouldn't be Brigham Young this year. So I'm going to just take a flyer on them because I know you're recording this. So if I'm right, we can just look like heroes at the end of the year. And if I'm wrong, no one will remember it anyway. So let's go Brigham Young. All right. He's on the uh, BYU bandwagon there. But UCF, I mean, I'm not saying that that Florida, Florida State, Miami are shaking in their boots at UCF being in the Big 12. But can UCF be one of these programs down there that's recruiting Florida incredibly well and is a legitimate power five contender out of that state? Is that the ceiling under Gus Malzahn for this UCF team or is that too much? No, no, you're right. And I don't think of it as a team. I think of it as program wise. They're going to be there like they're going to be a factor. You said Florida, Florida State, and Miami aren't shaking in their boots. Well, they're not doing it visibly, but those people are not happy at all that UCF found a way into the Power Five door. And uh, there's there's a really different kind of energy down there. It's almost like an aggravating energy. Uh, it's like when watching Oklahoma play Boise back in that Fiesta Bowl back in the day. It's like you're the blue blood, you're the big dog. They're supposed to just know their role, and it's so aggravating when they don't. And I, I get the same vibe from Miami and Florida and Florida State. Central Florida is supposed to know their role. Like, they're supposed to just take our scraps and have fun. You get to be in Orlando, go to the theme parks or whatever. You're not supposed to be a Power 5 team. You're not supposed to be p- competing with us on the recruiting trail. You're not supposed to have energy around your program, and they have it now. And the thing about it is they're at the table, so they're not going away. Um, yeah, you talk to folks in the state of Florida – they're, they, they get defensive and they almost try and voluntarily tell you, oh, we don't care about Central Florida. And I, I asked you what you wanted for dinner tonight. Why are you talking about Central Florida with me? <laughs> it almost sounds like you are defensive. <laughs> All right. We'll leave you on this, Josh Pate. Um, you know, you mentioned, yes, we're recording this, obviously, and we'll burn the tape if you're wrong. But you got Texas winning the Big 12. You like them more than the AP poll, as you noted earlier. Uh, who do you think they end up beating in the Big 12 championship game at Jerry World in early December? What's your pick there and what that game's going to look like? Oh, this is tough. Um, I've got, I've, I know Texas is my champ. I've not, I've not arrived on this yet. Look, I think that I think I'm going to take another flyer on Kansas State. Yep. Um, it's, it sounds so counterintuitive. I know it does uh, because this is me talking, not my model talking. Like, my numbers are down on Kansas State. I, I just know, man, I spent some time around that program last year. I know. I know who, who's in there and the, the kind of mentality that's in there. I think they're going to find a way. I, do, I love the culture of that place, man. That is, a, that is a very, very tightly wound rubber band ball. It's not going to come loose as easily, I think, as some folks, including my precious computer here, think it is. I like it. Texas, Kansas State, always great to have Josh Pate on. Does an outstanding job with Late Kick. Be sure to subscribe to his show. Find him, YouTube, podcasts, wherever you're getting your shows. Josh Pate is doing his and doing a great job covering the entire sport of college football. Josh, great to have you on, man. Thanks so much for joining us at Heartland College Sports. I appreciate you having me. Great stuff with Josh Pate. He's such a good dude. We always appreciate him joining us here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, before we leave, we've never done this on the show before. My four-year-old Claire wanted to say something with the college football season right around the corner. Claire, what do you want to say? I want to say I love college football, and I 
Nice ape. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. And I love poop. Okay. Well, there you go. That's not actually true. Don't worry. There's nothing bad happening in this house. She's four. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, we wanted to make sure that you get your Heartland College sports koozie before the season begins. So all you have to do is leave a rating and a review on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll get you hooked up with a free Heartland College sports koozie. So send me a screenshot of that rating and review. If Claire can't get you to finally do that, I don't know what will. We appreciate you guys so much. We can't wait for the season to be here, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.